hide someplace and, uh, you know, he volunteered you. Hey, you need a teacher for Sunday school? And so, yeah, we do. So anyway, you kids uh, up to three years old, uh, three years old, no, three years old up to third grade, uh, you can walk out with that unknown teacher. <laughs> Actually, I do know him, so it's all good. You're safe. Go ahead. Wow, not a lot of movement here. I gave you a lot of time, too. This is the beginning of my favorite week in the year. It is a week in which we focus all of our energy on who Jesus really is. Lord, Savior, King. And there are so many things. The Bible, you know, this is one of these things where I feel like we ought to have like a whole lot of Sundays to talk about all the stuff that happened during this week. And it, it started with Palm Sunday, which they didn't call it that way back when, but it's, uh, it's become that. And um, so anyway, let's read the text. It's um, John 12, starting in verse 12. We'll read down to verse 19. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey, and he sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey. And his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was because they heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see, you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray. Father, what a wonderful time. Lord Jesus, we know that you would suffer many things during this week, about 2,000 years ago, and yet we also know Hebrew, the book of Hebrews tells us you did it for the joy that was set before you. That's hard for me to fathom, Lord, the joy. It was the joy of rescuing us, the joy of of saving us from our sins, the joy of paying our debt because we can't. And Lord, we rejoice in you and we praise you and we honor you and we glorify you today to our greatest capacity. In your name, amen. I'll take a little different approach for it. It's my last Palm Sunday, so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and, um, you know, they can't really fire me. Well, I suppose they could, and I'd miss out on two more weeks. But I want to look back in Jesus' story that was kind of leading up to this, and John tells it in a very, very unique way. Um, you know, Matthew and Mark were written in probably the late 40s or early 50s. Uh, Luke was written in the 60s, and that's not the 1960s, that's the 60s, 60s. 
And John didn't write until the 90s. He was 30 years after Luke. And so in a lot of ways, he fills in things that weren't uh, covered in the other Gospels, which is kind of cool. And one of the things that, that, that he tells us is that not long before this, probably a matter of weeks, Lazarus, Jesus' friend, died. And he was buried in a tomb, and he was there for four days. And then Jesus showed up. It would take forever to tell you the whole story, but he showed up, and he cried. Was it because his friend had died? Well, Jesus knew what he was going to do. And what he did was he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus appeared at the entrance to the tomb. And he was still wrapped up in all of the burial wrappings and spices and things like that. I had read one comment a long time ago that said that the total burial uh, garb weighed about 200 pounds. So you take a normal-sized guy carrying around an extra 200 pounds. How did he get there? We don't know. But we know that he was standing there, still wrapped up, and he was alive. And now, more than ever, the people who were around there, they were believing in Jesus because of this great and magnificent thing that he was done. But not the chief priests and the Pharisees. We read in, in John eleven forty eight, 48, if, they, they were saying to each other, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and they will take away both our place and our nation. Do you hear what's going on here? It isn't just jealousy that Jesus had taken the spotlight. It was something else. They were afraid they were going to lose their prominence and all of the graft and extortion that they were committing against the people of Israel. That was when they decided to murder Jesus. That was when the plot began in earnest. To murder Jesus. Now let's fast forward a few weeks and we get to this event. Jesus was on the road. His last trip to Jerusalem before the cross. In those days people traveled in caravans. They didn't just walk family by family, or a couple, or a few people, or anything like that. It was too dangerous. There were robbers and things on the road. So they traveled together. A Passover feast. It was a joyous celebration. Every year they went from long distances, and they would go. And you know where the celebration actually started? It was while they were on the road, gathered together with people they knew, their families and other people's families and other people that joined the same caravan along the way, and they're celebrating what they're going to be celebrating. I mean, what a magnificent thing. I can remember a long time ago, and, and uh, some young boy said that, you know, it's my birthday. When? Well, three months. See, he was celebrating early in a big way, and that's what they did. They did that on the way. There was no work. There was no school. All they had to do was walk, which happened to be a very long way. But they were rejoicing in what they were going to be rejoicing in, the celebration of the Passover. 
when God passed over the nation of Israel and did not kill the firstborn, and that would have been a very long time ago. That would have been about 1,400 years before this. And Jesus and his disciples, they were part of one of those traveling caravans. But it wasn't your normal, everyday caravan. If he had started from his home in Capernaum, that's at the north part of the Sea of Galilee, it was a 100-mile, 10-day-long walk with Jesus. Can you imagine walking along, continuously hearing the gospel from Jesus' own lips, watching miracle after miracle, like the time he healed 10 lepers all at once. You know, leprosy in those days, it was an incurable disease. And at one point, Jesus chose 70 disciples. Now, we're not talking about the 12 apostles here. We're talking about 70 everyday, run-of-the-mill people like you and like me. And he gave them his own power to to, uh, heal, to preach, and to cast out demons. Imagine. And here's what they said when they came back to him. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. There is a great crescendo that is building here. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Imagine for a moment that you were there. That all of us were there. We're in that caravan. And we're walking with the Son of God. Just imagine. A front row seat for every word He spoke. A front row seat for every single miracle that he did. And we know from later in John's Gospel that he did a whole lot more than what's been written down so far. A front row seat and we know who he is. The Christ. The Messiah. The Son of God. The King. And every day, all along those 10 days, every day, more and more people are believing in Jesus. I mean, it's an amazing thing that's happening. People are trusting Him every single day. And finally, they reached a little town called Bethany. It was about two miles from Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus and His 12 stopped to rest. They spent the night at a house where Lazarus was, his friend, whom he had raised from the dead after he had been dead four days. Mary and Martha, and you probably know that story too, they were his sisters. Evidently, the the rest of the caravan caravan kept on going into Jerusalem, um, but they weren't resting in Jerusalem. They were going everywhere and telling people about this Jesus whose words of grace and truth are life-transforming. And he raised Lazarus from the dead who is now alive. That evening, people came from Jerusalem and they went to where Jesus was just to see Jesus and to see Lazarus alive. At the end of that little event, evidently there were scribes and Pharisees there too. They were probably keeping an eye on them. 
And so that was when the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to dead, to death as well. So we take out the perpetrator and we take out the evidence. It should be all good, right? It's not going to work out that way. The next morning, people started streaming out of Jerusalem, running up the Mount of Olives to see Jesus as he is coming down and to see the one who had raised Lazarus from the dead. And there he is, riding on a donkey, just as the prophet Zechariah had said 500 years earlier. And the people were cutting down palm branches and waving them in the air and lining the road with them for the donkey to ride on. In the other Gospels, it also said that people were taking off their outer garments and throwing them in the road for the, for the donkey to walk on because Jesus was on the donkey. I don't think I really want to do that with this coat. This is the kind of honor that is only given, that was only given in those days to kings, to emperors. They didn't do it for Herod. They didn't do it for Pilate, the, the Roman governor, and they sure didn't do it for the scribes and Pharisees, although they believed they were owed that. And all the while they were shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Hosanna. You know, it is a, kind of a common word. Um, a, a lot of churches have that word, Hosanna. I, I went to a, a church in uh, Minnesota, had a conference there for a week, and uh, it was Hosanna Lutheran Church. But do you know what it means? It's so popular, so common, but do we know what it means? It means, it's a Hebrew word that means, God, save us. Save us now. These people were calling out to the king of Israel and saying, save us. Save us now. Save us now. Verse 16 says that um, the disciples didn't really get it. They didn't understand. And, you know, disciples, that's used not only for the 12, but all of the people who were believing and following Jesus. And they didn't get it, but they got something. They got that Jesus was the Son of God. And everybody had a different idea of what that might mean. Most of them it meant that he would set up his kingdom on earth, a kingdom of grace and mercy and healing and feeding the 5,000 and all of those kind of things, that that was going to happen like now. And that if they proclaim him as king, then it's going to happen. And he will turn that messianic power into destructive power to take out the religious leaders who were extorting things from them and to take out the Romans who were occupying them but they didn't really get it. They didn't understand that Jesus had to die. It's kind of funny, the Pharisees, that's what they wanted. And they were playing right into God's hands. They were going to take out the Lord of glory because he was an annoyance and he was taking their spotlight and so once again, the Pharisees said, 
to each other. You see, this is verse 19, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. One translation says the whole world. And in the Greek, it actually means, it has the idea of the world has already gone after him. So we're not just talking Jews now, we're talking the world. And the very next verse, I want you to look at that, it's verse number 20. Now among those who went up to the worship at the feast were some Greeks. Greeks were Gentiles. Many were pagans. What were they doing there? Had they heard about Jesus and decided to check it out? Well, there were at that time those Greeks who began to believe in the God of Abraham, the God of Israel. And they were not Jews, but they were practicing what Jews practiced. They were getting the truth that they knew so far. And then Jesus showed up. And they go to Philip and said, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. His answer is in verse 23. He said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And the fruit that Jesus was about to bear was the salvation of our souls. In five days, as Matt mentioned earlier, five days, he was going to hang on a cross the most gruesome kind of execution that anybody has heard of. And he was going to pay the price for every single sin that had ever been committed or will ever be committed. All of them paid for at the cross. And three days after that, he would rise again from the dead with proof positive that the deal is done. Hosanna. Let's say it together. Hosanna. Hosanna. Save us now. Father, thank you for giving to us a Savior. A Savior who was perfect a Savior who committed no sins, a Savior who was then qualified to pay for all of our sins, in fact, pay for every sin. There are those who will not trust, those that do not believe, and yet it is so simple to look at the things that Jesus did and say, who could do that but God? I pray that if there is anyone here who isn't quite sure, or maybe it's a new thought, please talk to me, talk to one of our elders, talk to just about anybody here, and they'll tell you the story again. And they'll tell you their own story about how they came to believe in the Son of God, the King of Israel. Thank you, blessed Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. We stand once more. We're going to sing in the name of God, our great I am. It was and is and is to come. <laughs>